Say what you will about Twitter rebranding to X, but it's still got to be better than the Big 8 going to the Big 12. Plus, Ryan Wingo in Columbia today. What's up, Ryan? Hope you're having a good time. So let's talk about him and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including on YouTube and the SiriusXM app, where you can, of course, find the St. Louis Cardinals and the Kansas City Royals as well. And also on your radio dial, find the Royals at 610 tonight, channel 181, or the Cardinals first pitch 840 against the Diamondbacks, channel 187. But of course, we got to start today with Missouri football. Well, I guess tangentially related to Missouri football, because I thought this was a really fun debate I had this morning on X. No, I'm not on ecstasy, ladies and gentlemen. I mean on X, the new name for Twitter.com. And to that point, Paul Feinbaum, of course, the host of the eponymous Paul Feinbaum show on the SEC network, among many other radio spots, he asked on on X today, (laughs) well, it still sounds weird to me, what's the worst rebrand of all time clearly making making a a bit of a reference to twitter being rebranded to x here well i had a response that garnered some some uh, outrage from an oklahoma state fan and some questions from some mizzou fans as well i said the big 12 quite simply is the worst rebrand of all time now this this oklahoma state fan said hey why is the sec doormat trying to talk smack well, that's a predictable, but of course, stupid reaction from an Oklahoma State fan, because obviously I was referring to the Big 8 being re- rebranded as the Big 12 all the way back in, what, 95, 96 now, I believe was the season that that happened, about the time frame there, circa 95, 96. Well, how has that gone so far for the Big 12? Because the two anchors of that conference. The new the whole reason really for starting the Big 12 was the University of Texas. And now that reason has gone. Along with Oklahoma, the flagship of the Big 8 arguably before that. And of course, Nebraska, Colorado and Missouri are now, are now, are now gone as well. 5 of the original 8 teams of that conference are gone. So as an Oklahoma State fan, I can understand why You would be sensitive to what's happened in the last decade plus to, oh, actually, this has made things worse for me as a fan, as an Oklahoma State fan, as a fan of this conference. I totally understand all of that. I really do. But at the same time, understand what I was trying to say here. I'm trying to say that actually college football was better. College basketball, both of those sports were better when most teams were eight-team conferences, or at the very least, I don't know, 10, something like that. Hey, remember the Big Ten when it actually had 10 teams? Remember the Pac-10 back before it was 12? Well, honestly, eight has always been the perfect number. There's no question about that because you can play home and away 
each and every season in basketball, first of all, and you have the perfect eight-team postseason conference tournament as well. Single elimination, no buys, one plays eight, two plays seven, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It absolutely lines up perfectly. And it's best for fans, too, in my opinion, because, yes, while you're not going to get the same variety of opponents that you would in, say, a 16-team SEC that we're going to have coming up here in 2024, what you are going to get is a lot more heat and hatred because that's what you want. Familiarity breeds contempt, as the old cliche goes. When you play somebody each and every year in football – alternating, of course, whether you're home or away in the odd and even years. But in basketball, you're going to Lawrence, you're going to Norman, you're going to Stillwater, by the way, each and every season. And that's the thing. For the young people out there, for, for you current Missouri students who are listening to this, quite honestly, you're just not old enough to remember what it was like, because a lot of people be like, oh, who cares about Oklahoma State, for instance? I just brought up the Cowboy fan who was upset at me. So let, let's focus on the Cowboys for a second. Well, back in the day when you played in Stillwater each and every year in basketball with that very bizarre camera angle, by the way, and Gallagher Iba, how Gallagher Iba, now I've already forgotten the name of the arena. Forgive me there. The point is down in Oklahoma State, you always had this weird vantage point. You had tons of history built up over decades now. And to your point, sure, back in the day, yeah, there could have been different conference arrangements. Carter Gold, I believe a guy who's a current Missouri student here, suggested that, hey, after Chicago left the Big Ten and the Big Six and the Big Nine could have merged in 1945 to, to form the Big 15, a conference spanning from Oklahoma to Ohio. Okay, that is something that could have happened. And again, you would have had a, a bigger variety of opponents there. I suppose playing Ohio State and Michigan on occasion would have been fun, but not playing them every year. I'm just telling you, as somebody who experienced the rivalries with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, for instance, there was something really lost there when you didn't play the Sooners and the Cowboys each and every year in football. Again, if you're a current Mizzou student, you have no memory of the Norm Stewart era. Well, Billy Tubbs of Oklahoma, a huge rivalry there between those two squads. Great basketball between Missouri and Oklahoma there for a solid decade or something like that. And as I've gotten older, I've kind of realized actually that Billy Tubbs and Norm Stewart, I think we're kind of in on the joke together a little bit and kind of enjoyed sort of building the heat, building the interest in the series and all that good stuff. But the point is, it was just wild, excellent entertainment. All the Missouri-Oklahoma games back in the day were excellent entertainment. I'm not even talking about Missouri and Kansas. We all know something's been lost there. I'd like to think we're all smart enough to realize that something has been lost there. But even with Missouri and Oklahoma, Missouri and Oklahoma State, I'm still old enough to remember when Bryant Reeves hit a buzzer beater from half court to 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 send a game to overtime against the Tigers where the Cowboys ultimately ended up winning. Again, this shared history. Sure, you can tell me that Missouri and Kentucky now, Missouri and South Carolina, Missouri and Tennessee now have a lot of shared history in football that's been built over the decade. And I agree with you. If that if that had been the case over the last 50 years and you wait 50 years from now, you're going to have a slightly different opinion here. But 
now that we're at 16 teams and we're moving even further away from the permanent opponent model, there's no longer going to be an SEC East and an SEC West. Well, all of that history that's been built up the last 10 years with South Carolina and Kentucky and Tennessee, you might as well just throw it away now. Hey, you know how we like to have some somewhat bragging rights against Florida? How many people would have thought that would have happened at the beginning of the SEC, this newest version of the SEC? Well, again, that's going to kind of be lost a little bit too. Is it as big of a deal as what happened when Missouri left the Big 12? Obviously not. But again, I just want to point out that, again, if you're not old enough to remember all this, 12 years ago when Missouri actually left the conference, the thing is, I don't know that Missouri had much of a choice at that point. And right now, speaking of Oklahoma State, well, there's a lot of talk about how Oklahoma State doesn't want to play Oklahoma in the Bedlam rivalry anymore. And you know what? I think that's actually more understandable than what Bill Self in Kansas did to Missouri back in the day. I don't want to get more into that as the program comes along, but you know what? More importantly, I want to talk about Ryan Wingo, the top receiver in the country, according to most in high school football, St. Louis area player, of course. Well, he is on an unofficial visit to Missouri today, so I want to talk about him and Williams Nawarney as well, and weirdly, while I'm fe- why I'm feeling more positive about the Eli Drinkwitz era right now than I think I was a couple months ago. So I want to talk about all of that, of course. But first, I want to tell you about eBay Motors because here's the deal: for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Well, it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right part and the right prices, excuse me, on eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to US customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Thanks again for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen every day. And to you everydayers, well, you know I've been talking a lot about Ryan Wingo lately and the St. Louis product, arguably the top receiver in the country as a wide receiver. Well, reportedly in Columbia, maybe as we speak for an unofficial visit. If you've been noticing Eli Drinkwitz Twitter lately, he's been sending out some cryptic positive messages alluding to W's. Let's put it that way. I don't know that Cardinal fans locally are thrilled with the Cubs W flag that has been showed by Drinkwitz, but hey, you know what? He's from Arkansas. I guess we'll give him a pass on maybe not knowing the sensitivity of that particular issue, but this does come on the back of Ryan Wingo, by the way. Hey, another W. Not only did he go for an unofficial visit, another W, I suppose. Williams Nawarney was just here again as well. Some think he is the absolute top defensive player 
in the country. So it's been a really strange recruiting year so far for the Tigers in state because it really feels like they really have a shot with both of these guys. I think the scuttlebutt is that Wingo is probably a more likely outcome than Williams Nawarney, but I'd give the Tigers a shot on both young men for sure. And, you know, this is just based on what I'm hearing. I think certainly the new NIL laws that have recently been signed into law here in Missouri are helping the Tigers. So timing is a part of it here. One of the reasons maybe your top two players in the state here are still considering Missouri, well, they've had enough time to process these new NIL changes more than the guys who are, say, 3 through 10 who generally are going to sign a little bit earlier, at least commit a little bit earlier. So weirdly, I'm, I'm feeling better about the Eli Drinkwood situation right now than many. Obviously, this is just a feeling at this point. I don't have any hard evidence for the coming 23 season, but I really like this Tiger team for this coming year. That, that's the first part I'd like to say. I also felt like last year, as I've said many times for your everydayers, it easily could have been a breakthrough season. And I know what people say about woulda, shoulda, couldas, right? But at the same time, you have to admit, as much as people are are W's and L focused, you got to admit, some of those games that we barely lost to Georgia, Auburn, Florida, Kentucky, for instance, if those have been 21-point blowouts, well, you'd have felt a lot different about this season upcoming. Let's be completely honest with ourselves. So to me, for whatever reason, right now in the last few months, I'm feeling more confident about the Drinkwitz situation. I think a lot of it is just, I think there's some humility there from Drinkwitz, handing the keys offensively off to a new person, off to a new voice, realizing that he doesn't have time to wear as many hats as maybe he's been wearing the first three seasons as a head coach. But again, Williams Nawarney, Ryan Wingo, couple of the absolute top players in the country, certainly the top two players in Missouri. Interestingly enough, Missouri Tigers seem like they have a real chance at both. And speaking of Eli Drinkwitz and his messaging, well, he recently went out of his way to praise Drayden Norwood. Of course, Ennis Rakestraw and Chris Abrams Drain rightfully getting tons of praise from Missouri fans, from the SEC in general, especially the people who've really followed the Tigers fairly closely. You know those guys were, in my humble opinion, they were really the secret sauce to that above-average Missouri defense last season. But Drayden Norwood, a transfer from Texas A&M, the former Aggie, well, you know what Drinkwood said? He said, hey, he gives Missouri some depth, obviously, and an opportunity for Abrams Drain and Rakestraw to both go all out on each and every rep. Well, I would also say I think he gives Missouri some versatility as well, especially if he's as good as the Tigers think he is. He gives them a lot of versatility on third and long packages, other passing situations where, hey, say maybe Missouri gets home on one of its blitz packages. It's now second and 18. Perhaps the the opposition subs out a tight end or a running back, brings in an extra receiver, or maybe just like I pointed out, Many times here on this program, hey, Missouri's safeties got exposed a little bit in pass coverage, or just beat. I shouldn't say exposed. That sounds way too harsh. They got beat in pass coverage against Tennessee last year at times. Well, one reason, one way you can take away that, at least maybe shift the advantage back your way, put a cornerback in for a linebacker. Take Chad Bailey out on occasion, or Tyron Hopper, whoever it might be, 
take a linebacker, maybe even a defensive lineman off the field at times in long, obvious passing situations. And you know what? I think he might fare a little bit better. That's just my opinion. And coming up during the basketball tournament, the tournament with a million-dollar prize divvied up amongst the winning team, well, a game that was billed as Kansas versus Missouri, well, the Missouri squad came up a little bit short. But you know what? Even more importantly, this gives me a, a, a chance to talk about the Elam ending, the biggest talk of basketball, something that may revolutionize basketball one day soon. So let's talk about that right after this. So as many of you probably saw, many of you maybe even watched live like I did, the Show Me Squad got edged out by the Mass Street Squad, which I, I have no idea what Mass Street appeals to. And frankly, I don't care because I think it's a Lawrence reference of some sort. But the Missouri squad, if you will, lost to the Kansas squad. Of course, it's a little bit frustrating when a team with Isaiah Mosley and Jonte Porter, well, the, the biggest shot of the game is taken by some guy named Neil who I'm pretty sure never suited up for the Missouri Tigers. That's sarcasm. I know he didn't, folks. But the point is here, you know what? Another another opportunity to talk about the Elam ending, which truly I, I think does have an opportunity to revolutionize basketball as we know it. And, and for the uninitiated here, I'm sure many of you have probably seen different versions of the Elam ending, probably most famously in the NBA All-Star game, I believe, for the last couple seasons or so, but essentially, hey, you know, modern, obviously modern organized basketball is played with a clock. And when it gets down to zero, the game is over. Unfortunately, what that has led to over the years is the strategy, I would say unfortunately anyway, is the strategy of fouling at the end in order to force the team that's ahead to go to the free throw line endlessly. To me, this isn't really the spirit of basketball. It's not really what fans are paying money to see, to see a free throw contest at the end of the ball game. So instead, with the Elam ending, essentially for the last few minutes of the game, if you will, although it's untimed, well, you're playing to a target score. You're basically playing park basketball or church league basketball, where there is there is no clock. You're just playing to 15 or 21 or whatever, it, or whatever the target score, if you will, might be. It doesn't matter how long it takes. The first person to 15 or 21, well, that's the team that wins. Essentially, that's what the Elam ending is, although it's a little bit more complicated because once you get to a certain time in the game, well, then they set the target score, and then, well, if a team is up by five, for instance, well, they have a five-point advantage in getting to that target score. So what happened here in this show-me squad mass street game? Well, obviously, Kansas, that squad ended up winning. To me, the part that I didn't like about it was that they ended up winning on a free throw, right? Again, that's supposed to be the point of this. And so we actually end it on a made basket instead. And, and when the Elam ending, when it happens how it's supposed to, and, you know, it gets tense, you know, even if you're the team that's up by, you're up by seven or seven or eight points or something, it starts to get tense because you realize, oh, if we miss this field goal, they could come down, cut it to five. And, you know, I, I like the nerves of it. I really do. And when, again, when you make a deciding field goal on it, 
it really feels like a satisfying, climactic ending to a basketball game. But I will say, though, especially since the Kansas squad only had to make one out of two to win the game, that felt very anticlimactic and not particularly exciting. But in that particular situation, I will say I don't really know what to do about that. I'm not saying there shouldn't be shooting fouls or free throws or necessarily anything like that during the Elam ending. But I will say I do think there should be a win-by-two element to it. Sort of like tennis or ping pong. And, and by the way, when you played the game 21 in basketball, as many of you had, a, a one-on-three type of game or an every-man-for-himself type game, if you will, well, yeah, you have to win by two in that. And part of that is because of the free-throw-heavy nature of the game 21. And again, the endings of these basketball games – if you're winning by if it's a tie game and let's say you're 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 a point away from the Elam ending the target score, I, I just think putting even more pressure on that free throw shooter to have to make both to win the game, I, I just think that's better drama and more satisfying for the fans at home. So for the most part, I think the the Elam ending is a great idea. I would add the win-by-two caveat to it. I really do. That really changes basketball. Again, this is a revolutionary idea, so I'm, I'm certainly willing to be talked out of it. But so far, I think the win-by-two thing really comes into play for the positive, if you really think about it. But that's just me. I'd love to hear what you all think about the Elam ending in general, my win-by-two notion, the whole thing. Maybe you hate all of it. I don't know. You probably got good reasons for that as well. This is really revolutionary once again. So, you know what, though? I think it's evolutionary. That's just me. But, hey, no matter what you think, thanks for listening to Locked on Mizzou today. Appreciate you, as always. Sorry for not getting one out on Monday. But I'm trying out here, folks. I'm busier than a one-arm paper hanger. So we're just going to try the best we can. Thanks again for your patience right here on Locked on Mizzou.